committee, I welcome you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. What's up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush, and uh, normally you'd hear from my co-host, Connor Cornelius, right now, but he is uh, up in Lac du Flambeau doing whatever uh, you do in Lac du Flambeau, probably uh, enjoying himself out on the water, uh, just taking a weekend off, but that's okay. I'm here to talk a lot of Chicago cinema Today, uh, just a few things. A reminder, we will be doing a Q&A for uh, Nick Alonzo's Decaf Don coming up next, or sorry, this Friday. That's going to be over at 6740, right next to the new 400 Theater in Rogers Park. It's a great little micro cinema space. They'll be showing the film, and they will also uh, be letting us chat with Nick again and some of the folks who worked on the film. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, head on over to our Facebook page. You can find the event there or just look for Decaf Don on Facebook, Nick Alonzo as well. All the details are there. That's going to be Friday. I believe that's the 26th at 6740, right next to the new 400 theater on Sheridan Road in Rogers Park. All right. So today for uh, this conversation in Chicago cinema, I'm very Lucky to be speaking with a director and an editor. Uh, she has a new short coming out. Uh, it's fantastic. Follows two sisters, uh, one of them returning back to her hometown to uh, help celebrate her mom's birthday, but also uh, do a sort of clearing of house, both physically and emotionally. Uh, it is so good. I really enjoyed watching it, and I think everybody listening will enjoy it as well. So let me bring into the conversation Ashley Thompson, director and editor. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. This is really cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about your short, and I want to make sure I'm getting the name right. Uh, I Miss Jamie When She's Gone. Yes, that is the title. It's kind of long. Um, yeah, it's uh, follows two sisters, like you said. Um kind of distant emotionally and physically and um i think one kind of has gravitated towards their mother who still lives pretty close to her and then uh jamie has moved and is working in a different state and so jamie comes home and under the guise of celebrating mom's birthday but it really kind of is uh to clean up her house because she has kind of become a hoarder since Mm -hmm. their father has passed away um yeah and it just goes from there. It's it a does. really, it's a, it's a really uh, great evolving, contained little story that, um, it, you know, it. I really by the end of it, I kind of wondered if you would be thinking about turning it into a full feature because the characters were really interesting and I was really in, invested in their story. And obviously, within the short, it has a, a very clear beginning, middle, and end, and a, a somewhat of a resolution in terms of, uh, you know, the two sisters. Um, making a symbolic gesture with uh, their father's couch Mm -hmm. um, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it it felt complete, but I I did see 
a way for this to become a feature. Have you ever thought about expanding it? Yeah, I've gotten that a few times from people, um, even one of the actors, this woman named Maria Morris who plays mom. She's like, I could definitely see this kind of turning into something larger than just the short. Um, I currently don't have any desire to do that. I feel pretty good about it just remaining as a short, but if it were to get um, like picked up by someone who wanted to make it a feature, I would definitely entertain that idea. And I think there could be a lot more... Um, I mean, I wrote a lot of scenes and then scaled it back. So mm-hmm. more things could certainly happen. I think the audience could get a better sense of um, just who the characters are individually versus like how they relate to each other mm-hmm. um, specifically. So I've thought about it, but I want to work on other things too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's nice to have a, a, a little story that you feel is, that is complete yeah. and you can just say, yeah, this is maybe there are some themes or some ideas that you might return to in different work. But, you know, uh, I miss Jamie when she's not here is uh, uh, kind of just going to be its own thing and people can go see it that way. Um, tell tell me a little bit about um, bringing, bringing these characters in, to life, because one of the things I notice is that it's a very naturalistic movie, uh, both in the acting, the dialogue and and the the camera itself uh, never feels I, I never felt like I was watching a movie in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, things felt very natural. Um, the camera was looking in places that felt natural and it had somewhat of a uh, just to just to use a common phrase like mumblecore feel kind of joe swanberg sort of thing that um indie cinema fans are are very familiar with so uh tell me a little bit about that yeah so i i'm not really a writer so i didn't really want to write a script i knew that i wanted to improvise my my movie mostly um and then Mac and Jamie, the two sisters, are actually sisters in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I wanted to make a short that, um, yeah, felt true to itself, didn't feel like overacted or anything. I'm, I've never really directed anything before. So I wanted to make sure that the relationship between the two sisters was authentic and not like forced. Um, I'm also super inspired by my friends who are in it. So the White family is really incredible. They have um, a couple other siblings as well that I'm really just so inspired by. And I felt like they are very open people and were able to just play in real life. Like we'll go out um, and just be hanging out and kind of like acting, performing together. Um, and so it just felt right to cast them. So I wrote the film for them to be in. Um the other what what was the overarching question so i mean it's just a very naturalistic (laughs) movie and and you can kind of tell that the that the actors involved are are discovering their roles on camera uh as as the audience discovers Mm -hmm. them too um and you mentioned that you've never really directed anything before what kind of work were you doing with the actors to help them realize those roles? And and what was that relationship like between you and the actors? Yeah. So um, I would say like several months before we went into production, I would just meet with um, Aaron who plays Jamie and then Natalia, actually she's another sister of theirs. She was going to play Mac. So I was meeting up with them um, like twice a month for a couple months. And then we were just really wanting to kind of create a story that they felt like they 
knew like the back of their hand. It wasn't necessarily their story. It wasn't my story, but we just wove a story together. Um, so while they were on screen, they knew what to reference. Like they knew like when their dad died, how their dad died, what the relationship between mom and their dad was like, what their relationship was like. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like they had to find those things out while they were like playing and improvising with each other. Um, and like four days before production, Natalia um, unfortunately fell like super ill. Oh, no. And um, Greta, who plays Mac in the movie, she was just on on um, crew for Wardrobe. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. We're like four days out. OK, scrambling. Can we push the production dates? Can I find an actor in time? And Greta I called her and she's like, OK, I know you know what's happening. But like, I just want to say, like, I can step in if you want me to step in for this role. Like she was at a lot of the rehearsals. So. Mm-hmm. It kind of just fell into place, and I think her performance was just so so natural, so incredible, um, almost like it was meant to happen, even though I love Natalia and wish I could have yeah. <laughs> made that with her because she was in it from the get-go. Um, so then like a couple days before we actually shot, we were just meeting up like every day and kind of running the scenes, practicing at my house, um, not necessarily nailing like what words they're saying, but more so just nailing like emotional points of like the scenes. Um, and I think it definitely helped us because then when we got on set, it wasn't like, um, what are we doing? Yeah. I What's did, my line? Right. Yeah. I did feel like a week out. I was like, wow, um, I don't have a script. and I'm directing this thing. And why am I? Why did I choose to like go like the improvising route? Um, but be a freeing sort of thing. You it know? is freeing, but it was also really scary because <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I have all these people behind me rooting for me and like making this thing with me, but I don't know what I'm doing, but it really came together and I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I really want to work with like a set script. I probably will in the future, but um, yeah, it just really came together, I think. And the way that we shot it, I think lends itself to kind of cutting together something that is a little bit more uh, improvisational. Um, I have a lot of, I get a lot of inspiration from the person. I think his name is Robbie Reynolds. I hope Ryan Reynolds. No, it's not Ryan Reynolds. Um, <laughs> who shoots Andrea Arnold's films? Okay. Um, I think it's just very loose and poetic, and I like love shooting people's hands. And I think like when things are improvised, you're able to cut around in that dialogue a bit more when you're not just stuck on someone's mm. like coverage. Um, so. Well, it feels conversational because when we're, you know, when someone's having a conversation, not just constantly looking at their eyes and their face, you'll maybe notice their hands. And uh, I believe there was a scene when um, one of the sisters was in a bar talking to a a neighbor, an old neighborhood friend. There's a, I noticed there was just a cutaway to the neighbor's hands Mm -hmm. and it kind of holds there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, it it felt like, oh yeah, this is where my eyes would be moving too. And um that was the interesting part about it is that the camera felt like um, like someone's someone's eyes looking around the room. Mm. Uh, I particularly enjoyed uh, the scene in like the dan- like in the dance club, yeah, uh, where it was kind of moving around and you were dancing with her and you were you know checking out the entire room and it it it, it didn't feel static. It felt alive and vibrant and that sort of thing. Um, and and to the point of the improvisation. Again, another scene I really liked um, when the two sisters have a fight mm-hmm. about their mom. The it, it's it's really hard to nail uh, 
dialogue that that feels natural in a fight because you know you tend to want to elevate it and you're you know every character is saying the most biting thing Mm -hmm. possible about the other and it's really constructed who's the winner who's the loser whereas this it was literally a fight between sisters yeah it was literally those two uh going at each other in in a way that felt like oh i'm sitting here watching like Mm -hmm. i felt like a fly on the wall I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really so glad. That's like a, an amazing compliment. It's a um, very cool thing. Yeah. I didn't want it to feel like exploitative of like real emotions that they're having. But I do. F- I don't know. I'm not n- I'm not an actor, but I do think like acting and like playing in that way is a type of release. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're able to kind of tap into maybe emotions or a role that you can't be in your real life um and i wanted to make sure that like the feelings that were coming across were authentic but they weren't like yeah again just kind of exploiting like their actual feelings about their sister or their mom you know that's why i think it's important that we just kind of made this narrative together versus me writing something about i don't know like what I th- I don't know because I wrote it for them I didn't want it to feel like this was their story yeah you don't want to be feel like voyeuristic yeah, or something exactly. like that how did how did you meet the White family I'm curious oh how did I meet them um, I think I met Greta through um, my longtime collaborators Jessica Marks and Eve Rydberg probably in like 2012 um, Greta is an amazing set designer and performer and theater makeup person she does it all really um, and she was helping do set design for this play that um, we were putting together at this DIY space called Young Camelot. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Young Camelot. mm -hmm. And I I don't think I met her there, but that's, like, kind of the first time that we, like, connected and clicked and worked together. Um, And then I would just see her out and about, and then I met Natalia, her younger sister, um, uh, at a 4th of July party one summer when I had gotten back from Hawaii and like me and Natalia really clicked and it was kind of just started from there. I think we would like hang out with friends together, but then me and Greta and me and Natalia just kind of made our own separate relationships. Um, and then Aaron, their older sister, I'm not exactly sure when I met her. It must've been at their house. I don't know, but I feel like me going to the White's house, like I feel like one of their sisters, like I feel like part of their family. And so I don't know, it was easy to just kind of fit right in with them and like be inspired by what they do, what their family does, who they are as people, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking of DIY spaces, you know, um, the DIY, work ethic is is you know very strong is by reputation um you know whether it's in music or performance art or whatever Mm -hmm. uh generally people in the diy scene are very much about you know self-reliance and and you know getting things done uh for the sake of doing them Uh, how did you use that diy ethos Mm. in this particular instance yeah, I mean, I did not have that much money going into it. No. Um, so, you know, independent film <laughs> yeah. rarely does. Yeah. A lot of people are working on a, we're, yeah, we're working on a very small stipend. My DP even like gave up his stipend to put towards the production, which was really sweet. Um, so I don't know, this film I had had in my mind for a couple of years. I think I started writing it in like end of 2015. Um and obviously I had talked to Natalia about it, talked to Aaron about it in the very preliminary stages. And then it was really kind of my friends who were like, yeah, so that short that you've been writing, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're right. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not doing anything with it. Um, so I, 
I asked my friend Judy, my producer, um, if she wanted to produce it. And she said yes. So it was kind of like, I don't know. I work with VAM, um, VAM Studio, and Vince Martell, who founded it, is really like a huge um, uh, encourager, I would say, and was like, okay, Ashley, well, it's 2018. You said you wanted to direct stuff, so you might as well direct this. We're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then really, like, all my friends worked on it. So I think... I am lucky enough to work with people that want to make people's artwork and their friends work. Um, and so it was really lucky that like my friend Greg Ray, who was the DP was like, cool. Yeah, I'll shoot it. Uh, Judy. Yeah, of course I'll work on it. Not getting paid or anything. Um, and then full spectrum features also started to produce it, um, which was great. They are really knowledgeable and really, um, I don't know, committed to making work with people that necessarily don't have like the funds or the platform to like share their stories. Um, and so we ha got a fiscal sponsorship from them since they're a nonprofit also. So that really helped to just like keep costs down and ask for donations and borrow a person's van for three days. Like it, there was a lot of favors pulled, but I hope that, yeah, I didn't like overextend my, uh, asks too much. No, it's a it's a common thread in in the Chicago film scene and in the Chicago creative scene in general that um, there's a lot of people here that want you know art to happen yeah. in the city and and are willing to uh, forego financial reimbursement or you know any sort of financial gain for the sake of the art itself. So uh, it really doesn't surprise me that a group of people would want to come together and make this happen mm -hmm. with with no budget essentially. Right. Um, I wanted to touch on one of the f the the central feelings of this piece which is it's got a very particular midwesternness to it mm -hmm. and um, it's one of those things that is really hard to describe. Um, it's uh I'm I'm want to use a quote like I I can't tell I can't define it for you but I know it when I see it. It's mm -hmm. one of those it's one of those sorts of feelings. Uh you're from Palatine. Yes, Palatine. Uh tell me a little bit about your your upbringing there and how that informed, mm -hmm. you know, this story. Yeah, um Palatine. I love and hate Palatine. Um I think it's a great place to grow up. And then I think when you turn like 19, you're like, what am I doing in Palatine until you're like 35 when you're like, okay, I'm ready to move back to the suburbs. Oh. Um, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. But I think there is a lot of charm and, um, I don't know. There's like a lot of stories in the suburbs that I feel like are really interesting. Um, my parents still live in the suburbs, both my dad, stepdad and mom. And when I go back there, I, I am weirdly inspired by like the grocery store or like mm -hmm. the park and the dynamics at the park. <laughs> um, and like, I don't know, running into people that you hadn't seen in a long time. Right. It's yeah. like high school. I don't often go back there that much. So I think there's like, also kind of like an emotionally desolate landscape of the suburbs that I'm interested in, um, where people are a bit more sheltered or a bit more attached to their like personal narratives that like, 
I don't know. I, maybe I, it's just because I'm from there and my I'm like my family is attached to the narratives that they're attached to. But I do think like there is like this weird disconnect sometimes um, with people from the suburbs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to sound like. A, Oh, I like well, live in the city, and yeah. now I not like. Well, I don't know. You know, it's not. It's not like it's not fun or difficult, or, right. or, or it's pretty easy to dunk on the suburbs. You know, in Definitely. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like that. Like the the attached to one's own narrative. Yeah, I think that's very common in in the suburbs of Chicago because you people in the suburbs of Chicago, while they are very fine people, you know, just average everyday Americans right. going through life just as much as. Uh, any other person, um, they do, there is a tendency to define themselves in relation to the city. Um, and so far as um, they can, they can pick and choose the best parts of being close to Chicago mm-hmm. while also being able to distance oneself. I, I, the best analogy I can think of is, um, you know, Northwestern university, their football team, say like they have all these billboards around you know chicago's big 10 team and all this kind of other bs and it's (laughs) and i should be careful because we broadcast northwestern (laughs) football on this station so yeah but it's it's this whole thing where it's like oh yeah we're chicago's big 10 team but we're located in evanston which uh so often divorces itself from the you know the crime of Chicago and mm-hmm. the unseen, uh, unseemly element of of being part of Chicago. You know when bad things happen in Chicago, Northwestern is like, well, we're from we're in Evanston, right. which is different. <laughs> and I've always kind of hated that, but understood it because suburbanites are suburbanites. Mm-hmm. Is it is it better to uh, understand that you are not from Chicago and that the uh, the narratives that you have attached to you are fundamentally different because you do not have to deal with the massive problems within this city. Right. Um, or is it better that you just say, hey, we're all, you know, close enough? Yeah. I mean, I find that if I'm traveling, people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Chicago. But if right. someone in Chicago is like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from the suburbs. Yeah, <laughs> There's <from> obviously <laughs> a huge difference. Yes. Um, yeah, it's funny that I feel like, I don't know, people that I know that live in the suburbs are like, wow, you live in the city. I don't know. I don't want to hate on the suburbanites. <laughs> no, I love you all. They, but, oh, wow, you're from the city. We are we are all we are all suburbanites. We are. And, uh, uh, you at know, heart. Our, our, yeah, our tr- <laughs> all the transplants. Because it, it stinks. We want to kind of redefine ourselves mm-hmm. in a way and say, like, well, I do, I'm not from there anymore. I've, you know, I really, I really feel what you're saying in terms of once you get out of somewhere like palatine or crystal lake (laughs) uh you're just like okay cool i don't ever have to go back there again Mm -hmm. i don't need to do the high school reunion because you know there's that emotional desolation i think that's really interesting the Mm -hmm. emotional desolation that you feel growing up in a place like that and uh it it makes its way into the film especially in uh the character of the mother she she's amazing she's so good she plays i was like i'm watching a mid a midwestern mom right now (laughs) she is just the way she delivers every line and um that's that politeness even in the face of you know essentially being a hoarder Mm -hmm. and having this you know this horrible loss in her life um i i think about the scene where she's out in the garden 
and that was really uh that was really deep that was really emotionally affecting um because and i you know i lost my dad when i was 17 mm. living in living in crystal lake and um you know it made me think of my own mom it's like that that underlying trauma of uh you know losing losing your partner um and still being in this suburban world and having to pretend that everything's cool mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to know what what's your interest in the relationships between it, within families because that's really what this whole thing is about is mm-hmm. how do pe- how do these people relate to each other you know they're bound by blood in a lot of ways but also you've got you know a character that much like uh, someone like ourselves, you know, left and got away because they needed to, because mm-hmm. they had other opportunities. Meanwhile, they have a sibling that's still dealing with what's going on back in the suburbs. What's your What's your general interest in that? Yeah, I I don't know. I think like the film is inspired by my life, but there's no there's like that actually that that stuff hasn't happened to me. But I think like family there's like weird alliances that form and I'm interested in those alliances. I'm interested in like who plays the enemy. And this is kind of like what I mean by like sticking to these narratives that we hold on to for so long about like, like what your mom or sister or dad have done to you, like emotionally, like what they said like two Christmases ago and why you're still holding on to that. I don't know. I find like myself gravitating towards families, the whites (laughs) um, and like loving to like, loving them and just being so interested in the dynamics that they have within um, that unit. And even just like my best friend, my boyfriend, like I'm very interested in the ways that their families relate to each other because I relate to my family in a way and people relate to their own family in a way. And I think no, not noticing those differences is interesting. And like, yeah, just the way that like, I think communication either breaks down or um, holds up in certain situations, whether like my sister is around or it's just me and my mom and how like, yeah, just the the allies that form, I think are really interesting and why. Um, I don't think it's something that like on a personal level, I'm like trying to understand and deal with more. And so it just, yeah, makes sense that it kind of comes out in my work also. Um, I wanted to know what what about what brought you to film specifically because mm. you mentioned that you've done a little bit of theater, a little stage. Uh, yeah. What 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 brought you to getting behind the camera? Um, well, I was never I wasn't like a theater actor, but I helped put plays together. Right. But um, I studied photography at UIC. Um, took like a documentary media class. I don't know. Um, really, like Jessica e- Jessica and Eve. Um, they like formed this collective kind of collaboration called the goodnight ladies and we would put like art events on um and also they really pushed me to like make like a short film so i made a short film in like 2012 um which really hasn't seen any any light of day but yeah we would just like make promo videos for our events um and then i got linked up with um like a collaborator, Sam Bailey, who uh, started my short and then asked me to edit their web series. Um, so I edited their web series and kind of from there just really got 
on set more, wanted to do more. I started out as an editor and like script supervisor for web series. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I really like working on set. So like doing a, I kind of, I don't do it all, but mm. like I've produced things. I've AD'd things, script supervised, edited, DP'd, AC'd, gripped. I've done a lot. Also just in the indie scene. It's not like yeah. I'm doing this huge like union no, thing. No, you're, you're not working on Chicago PD. I'm not. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just a really organic process that like I felt like after I graduated with my photography degree, I didn't really want to be like in a gallery space. I didn't want to do that. And that's kind of what I felt like UIC set me up to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the traditional quote unquote path yeah. for someone in photography. Yeah. I mean, you could like also like go do weddings and stuff, but I was like, I really wasn't ready to do like, that. Yeah, I can't yeah, do this. That. I'm anti-marriage. Um, I'm not, but I don't know. I think like moving image and like seeing images, yeah not just like static images um i felt like there was just more room to play with that and more room to um like tell a story obviously i don't know it was just kind of organic and i also like shooting film photographs so i just felt like i could do that but then i could also have this like film medium it just kind of came about like that yeah well and that's something i've found is that a lot of people who get into photography there's there's a specific i've sets of people when they get into film some people get into it from a storytelling perspective mm-hmm. and they do they they do direct but they they came into it because they like writing stories but then you get people who come in because they really like photography mm-hmm. and um you know sometimes we have to remind ourselves that film and photography are totally interlinked yeah. um because film is photography it's just photography 24 times a second right. <laughs> and um the the same principles apply in a lot of in a lot of situations and um what was it i think at at the risk of sounding pretentious uh was jean luc godard said photography if photography is truth then film is truth 24 times a second mm. and I, I really find it interesting when people get in through the photography uh side because i think that their films end up looking a lot more dynamic like mm. like your short here i think it's a, a very dynamic looking film i think the compositions are really interesting um as opposed to when i watch a film who which is more story focused which yeah. can also be great in its own special way but um when you when you sat down to shoot this obviously you had a dp and what were the conversations you guys were having in terms of the look of Mm -hmm. of what you were going to be shooting how this was going to play out visually yeah we are kind of um inspired by the same people so andrea arnold and um sean baker so sean baker's fantastic so good me and greg my dp went and saw the florida project and we were just blown away (laughs) we were like this is so good now i know the last not to derail but i know the last scene was controversial for some people did you did you like the run through Disneyland? I actually just had this conversation last night oh, no or way. yesterday. Yeah. Oh my god. I you know I think like as a film person I'm like okay they couldn't get the permits to go to to go into Disneyland so they shot it on like an iPhone they had mm-hmm. to do that so I don't know I feel like I liked it I didn't I was definitely moved by it I was like wow that's a strong artistic choice and like I wept. I, every time I watch it, I'm just just waterworks. I know, and just like the scene right before it of like her little face and like talking to her friend, yeah. it's like so emotional. And then cuts to this really jarring, like obviously lower quality image um, of them running through Disney World. I don't know. I think it's like a really beautiful, like escapist kind of mm. um, shot. I think it's really. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind the end. 
I liked it. Yeah. It was very good. Um, but, so you're me ins- and Greg saw this, and he's also really inspired by Andrea Arnold, like I just said. Um, and so, I don't know. I really just wanted, like, I felt like with American Honey and the Florida Project, I, like, noticed the camera, but I noticed it in a way of, like, I don't know. I just, like, loved the compositions and loved the movement of the camera. I'm not a big like still shot long shot person i'm like Mm. let's just keep it moving let's keep it like poetic and loose um Mm. and so really inspired by those two films um and then i don't know kind of like sentimentality wise um mike mills i don't know if you know this director he his like work the uh beginners with uh ewan mcgregor that's another (sighs) just it's I, I like that sentimentality. That's it's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and I feel it. It, it gets uh, lost or is absent in a lot of films. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, so one a bit like especially bigger budget ones that attempt at uh, sentimentality. Like, um, I always I always rail against the movie Interstellar. Mm-hmm. I really I really disliked it because it was that sort of faux sentimentality and i feel bad because i'm talking about another person's art and for uh christopher nolan that might feel very real to him yeah and um you know i i do it all with a simp a very subjective i i'm not gonna you know i you know i'm sorry if it if it hurts someone's because some people really fucking love that movie they yeah. really love that interstellar movie but um it it's he's he, he's trying to balance this high-minded sci-fi opera in the vein of something like 2001 a space odyssey which has no sentimentality whatsoever which is kind of the point um with a like purportedly human story about love and how it transcends everything i'm like no something like the florida project has Mm -hmm. has is a movie is about love that transcends everything the tree of life by terrence malick is a movie Mm. that's about love that transcends everything and they both uh, use that same kind of more poetic camera as opposed to showing like pictures of black holes and shit. Like, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that does not scream sentimentality to me. Wait, is Interstellar the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Uh, yeah, McConaughey. Okay, where he's yeah, like, right. he winds up behind a bookshelf or something. He's like in in a black yeah. hole, pushing it to <laughs> warn his daughter or something. I don't know. I never, I never really, I never really attach myself to that one. And I, yeah. and I, and I don't mind Christopher Nolan at all. I think he's a very interesting guy. Yeah. Um. But back to, back to your short. So you guys really wanted that poetic feel, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, do you feel that you achieved it? Like when you go back and watch this, are you are you satisfied? Are you saying, yeah, this is good. This is what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which like I'm like, wow, that doesn't happen often. Or like, right. I had a vision, and I I don't know. I don't want to sound like over proud, but I'm just like, wow, I like totally exceeded my expectations with this. Like. I just didn't think that it could look the way that I wanted to look. And it just looks way better than I thought it could look. Um, I just had a coloring session with the mill and just seeing it with like new color on it too. I'm like, wow, Greg fucking killed it. You did such a good job, yeah. Greg. I, I love mean, you. Let's, let's give the no co seal of approval to Greg wow. because he, uh, Greg be, Ray, everyone amazing. It yeah. really, it really looks like ba- you know, it looks like what it seems you wanted to uh, better than what you yeah. wanted to look like. Mm-hmm. You, um, it's rare that I talk to uh, an artist of any, you know, of any medium that feels completely satisfied with something. Yeah. Where, where it's <laughs> yeah, like, you know, know. You, they're just like, you know what? I would have left that song off the album, but you know, it's too late. It's mm-hmm. out now. Um, or someone makes a film, they're like, oh man, I were uh, this sh- scene should have been here, or maybe we should have done use this take versus that take. But you seem 
really content with it. I really am. And I mean, I've watched it so many times. Um, it will come out Thursday. So maybe in a year, I'll be like, Ugh, wow. Or I don't You're know, six months. It. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, <laughs> damn it. I wish I got this instead. Um, but yeah, for the meantime, I'm just super proud of it. And I'm super proud of everyone that made it. Like, again, so many people came together to like work for like no money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone should be really proud of it. And I think that as like a first short film of mine, I'm, yeah, I'm really proud it of it. It doesn't feel like a first. I'll say that much. It doesn't feel like you've, it, this is, I, I couldn't believe that it was your first. Yeah. Um, when, when Raul, uh, from full, from full spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, told me about it and, and, um, I was just like, Oh, I, I was like, Oh, well, she must be like an old pro. She knows what she's doing. And then I watched it. I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely the work of someone who's made a few. Wow. They, but no, thank you. There it is. <laughs> thank you. Um, I want to talk about working with full spectrum. Yeah. Um, obviously they're a great organization that, that comes in and, uh, tries to inject some funds where they can. I know, uh, being a nonprofit is probably, um, a really difficult thing to do, right. uh, especially in this day and age where it's, you know, it's hard to drum up money from people at times, even, even in the age of crowdfunding, um, you know, what they're, they're a organization, they're a company that really seeks to elevate, um, a lot of unheard voices. So tell me about your experience working with them and, um, how you, how that came about. Yeah. Um, so kind of going back to the feature I'd mentioned off air, Holy Trinity, um, they produced this movie that my friend Molly Hewitt directed and approached me about editing it. Um, they didn't have a huge budget for editing. So we kind of did like, uh, a money and a work trade situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, hey, we know that you have this short that you want to produce. We can help you produce it um, for your editing in Holy Trinity. And so they came on, when did they come on? Beginning of June, I think. And then we shot in July. Um, and I think it was it was a great experience working with them. Um, Harley Foos, uh, who worked for them for, I think, like a bit over a year, um, really helped it come together. They came on as the production manager. And yeah, like I said, like the fiscal sponsors, sponsorship is super helpful. The connections that they have with people, like I wouldn't have been able to get myself an interview with you guys. Maybe I could, but I don't know. I didn't know you guys. Listen, no, we're, <laughs> yeah. we are open to everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right <laughs> we are we are not big shots we want to talk we want to learn too we want to learn from everybody so i mean it's 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 great that you're here yeah i'm very excited that you're here i am too um do you want to go features next do you want to do something yeah. of that length um i mean i hope it doesn't take me that long to make it took me like three <laughs> years to make this short granted i had a lot of self-doubt but the features maybe i don't know my friend judy who produced my film is also producing a feature for her friend now and i'm like wow a feature yeah that's scary it's, it's a little scary. scary i'm like god it just is so long i don't know like you can be in post for like years yeah <laughs> um that what do you do you think people realize that that how long it takes to make a movie no i don't i definitely don't like between pre-production production and then post i mean it could take it could literally take 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is, I mean, I don't think it would take hopefully me that long, but I don't know. I think I might, I, I would love there to be like a middle between like a short film and a feature. I know there are movies that exist that are like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. but I know like with like the festival circuit, like a lot of movies kind of like 
that are that length don't fall into any categories. And so if your goal is to like get it seen at festivals and it's like, which is unfortunate, you know, that's just the framework that we're working. Exactly. It's like hard to schedule with other films. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, festivals are cool. I like, I want to like get the laurels and stuff for festivals. (laughs) I like, that's really what I want. Um, it like gives you more cred, but I don't know. I would love to like make like a 30 minute movie, um, which is doable and people can still watch it. Yeah. I don't think I I wouldn't want to go from like a short to a feature. That feels like a huge jump. I think I like need kind of a middle. Yeah. You want to try, I guess, I guess what would be considered a longer short, like a featurette. Yeah. Cause it's like when we think of any, any sort of film being 30 minutes, that's like, Oh, so like a TV episode. episode, And, And, uh, I think even within, television there's more experimentation within that where it's like oh we're seeing uh series that are significantly shorter um we're seeing series that do play with you know the length of an episode because Mm -hmm. everything is you know you've you get something on netflix the entire season is available to you right now so you're not going to feel cheated if you tune in one week and it's like oh i only got 15 minutes Mm -hmm. but that's but you uh, say you were the the show creator the show runner you'd be like well i just only had a 15 minute story to tell right um that's an interesting prospect of like yeah i just want i just have a 30 minute story to tell or i just or in this case i only i just have a 15 minute story to tell yeah and people can still feel the same level of satisfaction Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's definitely achievable and possible um Andrea Arnold made this short called Wasp and it's like 25 minutes and then it like won a bunch of awards. Yeah. I'm like, well, you are Andrea Arnold, but it can be done. It can be done. And I think like there just needs to be room for it to be made. Um, mm. Yeah. Maybe a short feature. Maybe. Yeah. It's like an hour tops. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, you've, you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of people. So talented. Um, Eve Rydberg has been on the show before. Oh, she's, she is, she's fantastic. And Samantha Bailey, uh, that's the same Samantha Bailey who's directed Brown Girls yeah. and uh, You're So Talented is mm-hmm. the web series. Mm-hmm. Both fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a rich pool of talent that um, that is existing in this city that doesn't want to work on Chicago PD. <laughs> Seriously. I, th- I know. It, it's, it sucks. There's not a week that goes by that on the show we don't end up mentioning <laughs> those fucking Chicago shows. Yeah, I've actually never seen any of them. Oh, no, neither have I. I've <laughs> like, never watched I don't want to watch. I would love that type of money. Like, damn. Sure. Like, let me pay my people those re- like those day rates. Yeah. Um, but yeah. and and no and no uh, disrespect to anybody who gets work on them. I oh mean, my like, god, take get, the money, get it, take yeah. the network money, definitely, because it's all it's all union and and you get you know lunch. <laughs> pretty good lunch i think pretty too i don't know but there's also like yeah an element I've, i haven't been on a huge set like that i've been on like a big ish set um but i think like i don't know working like indie and like working the way i've been working there's a lot of room to just learn as you're working mm-hmm. and like ask questions and not feel like an idiot for talking to the director like you're allowed to talk to the director yeah. you're allowed to talk to everyone um which i don't know has just been super helpful for me i feel like a very tactile learner and so I think one of the reasons why I felt confident enough to direct something is like I've seen people on set directing. Like I know what that looks like. I know how to do it. It just is about doing it. Um, so I feel really grateful for that. What would you say to someone who's like, you know, what, I'm ready. I want to direct my first short. I want, I want to get in there. What would you, what kind of advice would you give them now that you have, uh, you have a short out, you've edited a feature yeah. um, and you've got, you know, a, a path, 
that you're starting to carve for yourself forward, what would you tell, tell the next set of people who are like, yeah, I'm going to get into film? Yeah, I would say um, gather like your main crew members. I'll gather your producer, gather your DP. I think once you have those people locked in, it's a lot easier to um, get other people interested and make a visual deck, make a pitch deck, like make a lookbook for your film um, and like have a really solid treatment. If like your idea is only up in your head, no one's going to understand what you're like going for and no one's going to really be able to see your vision. I would say definitely have a strong pitch deck, have a strong like visual or visual treatment and written treatment. Um, and then, yeah, pitch it to places. Talk to people about it. Don't be shy about it. I think like, yeah, if it stays up in your head and you're not speaking about it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to come into existence. You have to like want to make it. Yeah. You got to have some self-actualization. Yeah, exactly. You got to have the uh, the Chicago, that city of broad shoulders sort of work ethic. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, there's there's so many great things being made in this. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. I know. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much. Yeah, thank uh, you for this having is, me. This has been an illuminating conversation. Um, wow. Uh, again, the the name the name of the film. Uh, I miss Jamie when she's gone. Uh, when will people be able to see this? So yes, it's premiering at the Logan Theater on Thursday. Awesome um, theater. It is sold out, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it'll be available online for like a week. Fantastic. Um, so is that going to be on on YouTube Vimeo? It'll be on you. Yeah, Vimeo definitely. YouTube probably. Um, it'll be linked in my Instagram bio. Fantastic. <laughs> and and what what is your Instagram handle? Uh, Smilefart with an underscore. Is is that your produ- like your uh, production? Yes. Name? Okay. <laughs> I'm cause... making an LLC about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I once saw someone, another filmmaker tweet out i think it was a friend of the show michael glover smith tweeted out that like uh it, it, being an independent filmmaker means having like five llc's to your name and mm-hmm. none of them make you any money yeah that's essentially <laughs> what's probably gonna happen hopefully not i'm trying to yeah my goal this year is to make money so yeah <laughs> hopefully it's it's the it's the heart it's almost the hardest thing to do in filmmaking you know you put you pour all your blood sweat and tears into the into a creative uh product and then you have to sell it. I know. You have to get people to give you money for it. It's kind of the worst part, definitely. Yeah. Especially when everything is like free, basically. Everybody just wants you, well, you know, maybe if you could just stream it. I know. I'm like, well, I can't, you know, I need to eat, yep. pay the rent. Yep. Make a savings account. Yeah. Who needs a 401k? Who needs it? Great for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Thompson, uh, director, editor, all around amazing talent here in the city of Chicago. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much, Tom. All right. We will be back next week with lots more Chicago film conversation. We appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all the same handle at no coast cinema. Um, we will be talking to you much more reminder, reminder, um, decaf on. Friday, April 26th, over at 6740 North Sheridan Road, right next to the new 400 Theater. Uh, head on over to our Facebook for all the details. You'll see me and Connor there doing a little Q&A after the film. We love decaf on, and we'd love to see you all there. Uh, this has been No Coast Cinema here on WGN+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush, and we will see you all next week.